everyone. We're live from Parade College, Preston. You're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. I'm your host, Alexander. We've got Tom, Luca, Nick, and Christian, and our special guest, Fred. Welcome to the show, Fred. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Uh, so we get right into questions. Sure. Uh, what was the first thing that like got you started with gambling? I'd say the first thing that got me started with gambling was probably when I was like nine or ten. I When I was nine, I was in a cinema room at the Eureka Tower where my dad was living for the AFL Grand Final Day. And there was a guy going around collecting coins. It was like a Norm Smith raffle. And you put in the coins and you get a random like player name or however many coins you get that many players until everyone has players. And I won when I was nine. And I remember being really excited and really, yeah, I was just over the moon. And I remember my dad was pretty annoyed and he was a gambler. So I think he could see the signs. And another thing that I did around a couple of years later is I was, I got a couple of scratchies when I was 11 or 12 and they had the same effect when I won. I just went, I went crazy. Um, and then I started gambling regularly when I was in about year nine, because then I started having like pocket money, five or $10, you know, I had a, a blazer, a silly school blazer. So, um, you know, I looked closer to 18 so I could get quickly in and out. Um, but yeah, I would say those things when I was young made me realize early on how much I was drawn and illuminated by the potentials of winning and losing from games. Yeah. Yeah, and um, when you won those games as a little kid, like, did it give you, like, excitement and adrenaline, like, you want to keep doing it and doing it? 100%, 100%, especially because at the time, you know, obviously I was in school, primary school, and then high school, and I didn't really get that from school. And I was someone from a young age who chased that early on. Uh, I did that in arcade games. You know, I used to put in coins where you have to stack the blocks to try and win a prize. I always wanted to get something in return. Mm. Um, and even though it's completely stacked against you, I was just completely obsessed with the chase and the allure of trying to win something, you know, win something that was really hard to win, even though that it was against you, you know, statistically, mathematically, it was just really alluring and exciting to me. And it was just an escape from school and it was just an escape from mundaneness and it was just yeah it was really like addictive intoxicating really yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, um what how um like when you say one in return mm. what um had in gambling had what did you want in return that's a that's a, a good question that's a big question i suppose i, I wanted validation i wanted to be seen as a winner i wanted to feel like a winner i wanted to feel special like i was better than others and than the system and i wanted to be seen and yeah i wanted to f- to feel that by winning you know i wanted to beat them whoever them is i suppose game life yeah. almost cheat like just instead of taking the steps like skip to the end and it just doesn't work like that. So like more like number one, like you want to like win anything as much as possible? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's like I want to go 
from like the start of a mountain to the top without having to climb, you know, just jump up and then you get taken right back. And um, yeah, it was really, like I said, really illuminating, but the, the low was so, so low and you feel so shamed and, and, and pitiful and you feel really poor within yourself, like really low self-esteem and really like angry, self-loathing thoughts. Um, so yeah, it was really, really ugly, ugly game and ugly consequences that I had on, on me and my life. Yeah, it was, it, I lost control around in my young adult years and it just got worse and worse and worse. It built a really like negative momentum away from life into, into that. It was like being in a trance. It was really bad. Yeah, so at what point did you know that you were like on the path to lose everything? That's a good question. So I, I, I got my inheritance around when I finished school. Um, it's important I mention that, yeah, my dad was a, was a gambler and a mathematician and he'd done it right for himself, you know, because he had businesses and he was very mathematical and he was more self-contained in his personality than me. I, I'm more wild and free-spirited and, and yeah. oppositional. Can't I get that from my mum? And um, when I finished school and I, I was a real grind because I, I really didn't enjoy the academic part of school, um, I got straight away, like two days after I finished school, day I turned 18, I got access to my inheritance of around $225,000. And I reckon about halfway through that year where I developed a really bad routine of gambling all night at the casino and during the day on the footy, soccer, dogs, horses, I reckon I realized about when I'd lost about 100, I got it, you know, if I'm going to look at, I just had a moment of objectivity, which is very rare. And... I thought, you know what, I need to stop. Like I need to take a break. And I actually did. Um, I took a break for about a month, but then I was back because I had no other structure, guys. I had nothing else to go to at that time because I knew that I was burnt out from the education system. I dropped out of uni straight away. Um, You know, I did like six months and I dropped out. I didn't even show up to my exams. Um, And then I just went back to gambling. So I'd say about halfway through there was a – the realization point that like I'm just going to – if I keep going like this, I'm going to lose it. But I was so – entranced by gambling and um that it just had a hold on me and while i had that money and while i had nothing else and while i had the deluded belief that i could achieve something in gambling that i could win that i could seek what i was looking for in life through gambling then i was it was never gonna it was never gonna stop what did your mom think about you like going to the casino every night and coming home at that time and then doing it again the Mm, next day good question she was worried. I would lie and say I wasn't there. I was with friends or sleeping somewhere else or I would just talk talk, talk rubbish. But people would see me there at all hours of the night. She'd see that I was sleeping in until, you know, the afternoon because I was getting home at like 8 a.m. She was worried and she was stressed. But I was, I was lying to her because as well as becoming a compulsive gambler, I became a compulsive liar. Because I was ashamed that, that I was losing and I was ashamed of what I was doing. And I became really depressed. I put on a lot of weight. Um, so I was just lying. I was telling everyone that I was winning and like that I didn't tell anyone about the inheritance. I didn't say like this was an inheritance. I just said it was money that I won. So I was betting my own money, my own earnings, yeah. but it wasn't true because I wanted to be seen in a certain way. You know, it's such a big bravado, such a big ego. I wanted everyone to see me as, as this big heroic winner. And that was one of the biggest barriers to stopping was to admitting that I wasn't that and that I couldn't achieve that and that that wasn't a real thing to be achieved in gambling. That was one of the hardest things for me to stop and, and pivot 
and to do something else? Yeah, sure. That's a good question. Uh, did anyone know that you were gambling away all your inheritance? Um, no, and that's a good question because they only knew about it afterwards when I'd lost it all and then I, I told my my godmother and my, my psychiatrist and then I started telling other people. But no, no one really knew. They just assumed. Or they didn't, a lot of people didn't know about it. The people that did, you know, assumed that I still had some left because they didn't tell them. Um, you know, they had an idea that I was in trouble, but they didn't know until I told them about a year after when I started to get on in well into my recovery journey with psychiatry and getting my first job. But yeah, that took a long time. But yeah, they didn't know about the extent of my losses until I told them. They just didn't know. They had an idea that I was struggling, but they didn't know how bad it was. Mm. Good yeah. question. Yeah. And also, if you're just tuning in now, you're listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. We're coming in from Parade College, Preston. Obviously, I'm Alexander. We got Tom, Luca, Christian, and Nick, and our guest, Fred. Also, um, what are some of the positive that, have happened in your life after you've gone through recovery mm. with everything? A lot. <laughs> a lot. As much as I didn't like the person I was and the things I was doing, I don't have any regrets because it's shaped me in a lot of ways, um, the adversity I went through, because the gambling problem for me was a symptom of other issues in my life. And it was basically not being happy, you know, losing my dad at a young age. And I was kind of lost. I didn't really know myself. I, was, I think I was having an identity crisis. Um, so the gambling was a symptom of that. And it was a symptom of my personality, of not knowing my personality very well. And part of the deal I made with my mom, because after I lost my inheritance, I started stealing from her. And um, after the deal I made with her, part of the repayment agreement was that I'd go with her to psychiatry. And what I got from psychiatry over many years and a lot of ups and downs was, you know, I got a mirror. So I, I found out stuff about myself, why I did, why I gambled. You know, I found out the why and who I was, you know, and, and who I am and that I can do, I can be that guy and do better things with the, the traits that I have, you know, with the tools that I have. Um, so those are all really positive things, but I had to go through the real muddy stuff to get there. And it's still not always, it's not all just sunshine and rainbows now that I've stopped gambling. It's still a grind and you still have really low days, but it's a lot better. It's a lot more stable. You know, I don't have that fear in the morning and in the night of when am I going to be exposed? You know, when am I going to be caught? When am I going to be found out? You know, when am I going to be turned in for, for stealing from my mom? You know, when are my friends going to realize I can't pay them back? All those kinds of things. I don't have that anymore because my life is, is stable. And I still have the personality traits that led me to gambling, such as wanting to win, loving sport, being really obsessive. I, I, those are all in my, in my life and in my career. You know, I'm a full-time soccer coach and I still have all those things. And it can be a problem sometimes, but I think it's more of a positive. Um, I think it's a, a strength. And I just found a better way to utilize the things that I had and the person that I am, I found a better form of that in doing these kind of things, in coaching and working with, you know, special needs kids. I, I love that. I love the challenge of that, you know. Um, and I, I think I kind of empathize with that because that's what I was and that's kind of why I went to gambling. So it's kind of like this 
a full circle of you know where I started to where I am now to where I'm going. It's like a big circle. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of positives, but there was also a lot of hard times, a lot of negatives, and a lot of going through mud to get out the other side. Yeah, yeah. good question. Just with um, when you were saying, oh, you got your friends, your family that you got to pay back. Mm. What was their like reaction with mm. like, paying them back? How it was gonna go? Like, mm. All of it. Well, the friends was a little bit less stressful in the sense that it was a loan. Like I didn't take it from them and I told them that I could pay it off when I couldn't. Um, but the mum was worse because I was just stealing from her and she caught me and it was a horrible feeling being caught actually. I mean, the stealing, I felt guilty while I was doing it, but I felt kind of relieved when I got away with it. And then when I got caught, it was a horrible feeling. And then the third time that I got caught, the first two times she just was angry but I knew because she was like the fun parent, the softer parent, and I lost that with losing my dad, the discipline. I knew I could get away with it. I knew I could talk my way out of it. I knew I could say what I had to say and I could keep gambling. But then the third time she called me, she said, and I knew, I knew she was serious. I'd never seen this side of her. She said, if you do this again, I'll call the police and I'll press charges for theft. And I still remember that moment perfectly. And that was my rock bottom. It wasn't the day that I stopped gambling, but it was the day, it was the moment I decided, okay, now I've got, to, I've got to start doing the work. I've got to start taking the steps. I've got to start, I've got to stop this and I've got to start doing something else to get myself right, to go through some sort of recovery, some, some sort of program, some journey away from this. I, it was like I felt it. And I think it's such an important point, guys. When you're gambling through screens and you're gambling through chips, you know, it's all an escape. You can escape from the harm that you're doing. You know, you have the highs and the lows and you run away with it. But when you have that feeling, your self-preservation kicks in. If you keep doing this, something bad's gonna happen. If you keep gambling, you're gonna go to jail. If you keep, I don't know, drinking, you're gonna die. When you have that feeling, that moment, it just thought like it, I felt it. And then I said, okay, enough, I need to change. And that was my rock bottom. And yeah, it's so important not to enable someone who has any kind of addiction or compulsion to you know support the person challenge the behavior is the best way i can put it and yeah i'm really grateful that my mom had the strength to cut me off and to threaten me and and to be serious because that was helped me get clean quicker and and properly so i'm, I'm happy about that yeah yeah um when you were depressed mm. like and like things went through your head you thinking and stuff like that did you like go to like gambling to like get out of that mindset or did you go to like alcohol or drugs or mm. just so like you wouldn't like think about those things mm. that's a really good question 100 percent, especially anxiety depression as well boredom anxiety gamble it was like a cycle of avoidance and escapism and you know trying to feel alive and it you know excitement um, uh, 100%, 100%. And it actually made it worse because even though it might have had that effect in the first half hour, hour, especially when you lose, you just feel two, three, four times as bad because, you know, one thing is if it's up here and then another thing is if something out here is making you react and make you feel even worse. Um, and if I'd win, it would bring me up for a moment and then 
and the crash would be even even more. And it was just like riding an unsafe, unstable roller coaster. And that was like my realization through a psychiatrist. Wow, I've always been running away with these highs and lows. I've always been riding this roller coaster and I want to get off. You know, I, I want to, it's too painful. Like it's too much. Um, and yeah, that, that part of it, the mental health part was really tricky because that didn't go away when I stopped gambling. It, it got better in, in some parts when I stopped gambling, um, but it's a tricky thing to, to manage to navigate. But yeah, like exercise helped a lot. Um, meditation helped a lot. And just having a structure and a routine that was away from that, you know, having something different to do, even though it was just you know, at the time community coaching before and after school care, starting a uni degree, even though I didn't finish, just having something different because it's one thing to say, stop, don't do it. Or what am I going to do instead? I have to believe that something is better than this. Like something is worthwhile, you know, that I, I am capable of. I have to believe in myself and that it's worthwhile. Otherwise, why am I going to stop? You know, that's the thinking. So yeah, hundred, hundred percent. That was an escapism. Um, but yeah, it just, it just made it worse. Yeah. And like, did it change you in a, like as a person towards like your friends or like as in your mum? like, did you become more like violent, angry or sad? Mm. It wasn't violent, but definitely more angry, more irritable. Um, yeah. More aggressive with my moods. Like my moods were swinging really bad, kind of more arrogant and, and conceited. Like, you know, um, like everyone else is wrong and I'm right, you know, that kind of attitude. So definitely more withdrawn and yeah, more agitated. And yeah, it had a, it had a really like a really unhealthy effect. To answer your question before about the alcohol and drugs, it's a really interesting question. I would say that I'm very susceptible to um, gambling because of my personality, my obsessiveness, my love of sport, my desire to win, my not fitting the typical academic system. There's a lot of things that fit that gambling, let's say, profile or criteria of a high-risk gambler. Whereas for alcohol and drugs, I think, I mean, I've just never really seen the temptation. Like I still drink socially, but I've never had a problem. Um, and I just think that my profile was that. I was very susceptible to that. But some people are more susceptible to drugs and alcohol, and I completely understand that. And I'm sympathetic to that. So I think that's something that's really important to be able to, you know, for young educators to see from an early age someone who might be high risk for certain types of um, addictions or, you know, potential problems down the line. Um, but yeah, that was never alcohol and drugs was never a problem for me. It was always gambling because I loved games and I loved that winning and losing aspect, um, you know, but obviously I hated losing. <laughs> and that was six out of seven, seven out of eight when I was gambling, yeah. When you had um, negative feelings, mm. um, were there any a positive lot. feelings that changed um, everything? Really? Only, I'd say, when I'd win. I suppose I would swing up sometimes, but most of the time I was down because on the bigger picture I was losing. Most times I was losing. Um, so mostly I was feeling really down um, and kind of like hating on myself and being like really angry at life. I was really angry at life, guys. A lot of that was from, you know, losing my dad at a young age and not being happy with school and just being agitated within myself um, and then taking it out on others and the gambling just made it worse. So I had it sometimes when I won, but it, it was like hollow, guys. It didn't last, you know. It's like, I don't know, it's, it's like being on a roller coaster, I suppose, is the best way. Like you feel alive afterwards and then a couple of hours later, you don't feel anything. You just feel hollow. Whereas now when I do something like this, 
or I feel like I had a breakthrough when I'm coaching or I had a breakthrough with a kid that I'm coaching or something, you feel really good. Like you feel a real sense of connection, a really deep, real feeling. And I never got that in gambling, you know, because it's just you and the gambling and the, the money and the winning and the losing. And it was very isolating. It was really isolating. And I never had those kind of positive feelings, not in a real way, since until I stopped and found a different way, which was for me, soccer coaching, working with, with young kids, special needs kids. Then I felt, you know, like a much deeper sense of love and connection that I never got from gambling. I don't think anyone can get from gambling. It just does not exist. And that's something I just took a long time to accept that I couldn't find what I was looking for in gambling, which was that, that validation of being a winner. Um, did you feel guilty while you were stealing from your mum? I did. Yeah, I did. I felt guilty and nervous. Um, like I suppose nervous that I'd be caught and guilty that I knew in my gut that it was wrong. Like I didn't like being a thief, but I was just so consumed with that mindset. I need to gamble. I need to win. I can turn this around. I'm not going to stop. Like I'm just, everyone else is wrong and I'm right. Like I, I can do this was that nothing was going to stop me. You know, there was nothing, even though running out of my inheritance, running out of money, you know, borrowing from friends, nothing was going to stop me. So I felt guilty and I felt nervous but it wasn't enough to stop me. It wasn't my drive to gamble was stronger than that. Um, and then it wasn't until, like I said before, she said, if you do this again, I'll call the police. I'll press charges against theft. You might go to jail. That I felt it. I go, okay, this, I can't do this anymore. Cause if I keep gambling, then I'm going to go to jail. And I didn't want to go to jail. I, I shot myself. I was afraid, you know? And it, again, it's, it's really easy to harm everyone around you and yourself and then just keep running away and gambling. But it's not until you have that moment of being cut off, of being disabled, of if you keep gambling, then this is going to happen and this is bad and you're not going to like this, then you stop. You know, I've heard a lot of stories where gamble, 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 they'll lose the house and then they'll turn around because they have nothing left. That's the, the rock bottom concept. So I'm lucky that that was my rock bottom, that the threat of that, because I suppose if she just kept slapping me on the wrist, I would have stole more, 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 more. I would damage the family more, 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 more. I would damage the relationships and, and, and with friends that I borrowed from even more. And those relationships, even after I paid off those debts, they took a hit. You know, there was, I had a good friend that for two years, the relationship really flattened out. Even after I'd paid him off, it was just because he knew that I was dishonest and, and I broke the trust and the respect. And that's what you lose over time when your words don't match your actions. You know, at the start, you get benefit of the doubt and then you start getting the opposite, the doubt of benefit because, well, he's been saying this and doing that for a long time now. So they don't believe you anymore. And when that happens, it's a dangerous game. You know, you lose the trust and respect and you just isolate yourself more and more and more until you hit that rock bottom, which is what happened to me. Um, and it took a lot of years to fix those relationships, to fix those trust within the family for mom to stop checking her accounts and her wallet, um, you know, to rebuild that trust. And it was just actions and time. And I'm really happy that I've done that now. Obviously, I'm not happy that I stole from her. It's not an easy thing to admit or talk about. But I can't change that. All I can change is what I do now and just keep doing what I'm doing and not going back to it is, I suppose, the biggest way of maintaining my friends and my family's trust and respect in that regard. Mm. Good question. Yeah, and like when you went to like uh, a therapist, like did that really help you? Like did you ever like, 
lie about what was happening? Did you ever like they ever ask you, or oh, you're still gambling now, and you say no, and even if you were? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Hundred percent. I only went to a therapist because it was part of the deal that I made with my mom to repay her. Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone. And the first year I was there, I was lying the whole time. And I was saying at some certain points that I wasn't gambling. I was gambling. I, I, I won this and then I lost that. Some moments of truth, and then, but mostly lies. Um, and he was really smart. He could tell that I wasn't being fully honest, that I wasn't fully committed to the process. Um, but it wasn't until that I actually told him and my, my godmother, this is how much I lost, that I was able to accept that money is gone and it's not coming back. When I told them that, it was a real weight off my shoulders. That was one of the biggest moments in my recovery journey of I could move forward because yeah, I had to let go of that money. It was gone. You know, for a while, like I said, I was afflicted with gambler's logic for a long time that it would come back. I could turn it around. The good luck was going to come. I could get one bet and it would all come back and I could fix everything. It's not true. It, it just it doesn't exist. It's gone. You know, it's in their hands now. So when I told them that, when I accepted this, how much I lost, you know, I told her and she said, you need to tell your, your psych. And I told him. And then I started building positive momentum the other way. And then I started really seeing results um, in, the, in my recovery and, and, and from psychiatry. And what I got from psychiatry that I never got from school, which, which was self-awareness. Like I learned about myself and my identity and my personality and my mindset and why I am how I am, why I gambled, who I am, you know, where is this pain coming from? And that took a long time, but it wasn't until I started being honest with him that I could start to, you know, ask those questions and get some of those answers. And it wasn't just, boom, I went in there, everything was fixed and hunky-dory. It took a long time and a lot of lying and a lot of back and forth and not going and gambling and then, you know, and then coming and then going clean and then getting a job. And eventually I, started making the steps the other way. And then I built a positive momentum. I got a job in soccer coaching. Then I got a job in before and after school care. And then it became teacher's aid and a soccer coach. And I loved climbing that ladder and achieving and getting better at my jobs and having that connection with kids. It was great. That was just a different form of winning. Like it's redefining winning. That was, that's winning to me, you know, like connecting with people and, and giving something of value to someone else, like helping people and helping the community. That's, something that is way more fulfilling and real than gambling than winning or and losing from gambling. That's real. You know, it's not hollow. So that's really nice. And that happens with the positive momentum the other way. It's like, I don't even notice it anymore. It's just, I have my life is structured. Now I show up, I, I give my best and then everything just keeps going in a positive direction. And as long as I stick to that, then I should be fine. Mm. Yeah. What did it feel like after getting help for the first time? Um, I felt, embarrassed and ashamed, but also in denial. I was like, I don't need to be here. You know, I just want to keep gambling. I'm just going to trick him and lie and say that I'm winning or just say whatever I have to. But he was just so good at his job. And I'm lucky because not everyone has that understanding of a gambler's mindset. And not every, you know, not every family is willing to pay. After I've stolen from my mom, she's still willing to pay for top, top level psychiatric support from one of the best therapists in the country. Not everyone has that, guys. Some people's rock bottom is suicide. Some people's rock bottom is jail. I'm really lucky that I got that. You know, some therapists aren't trained in that or they might not find the right therapist and that's it. Like, they give up. Yeah. 
So I'm really lucky. That's one of the things that drives me here to speak is that I'm really lucky that I got out the other side. Not everyone does. I got that opportunity because I have a, a fantastic mom. I come from a good family with good means. And I am lucky that I, my rock bottom wasn't fatal. It didn't finish me. You know, I know gambles at the rock bottom, fatal. Like they committed suicide and that's it. Like, and now their family lives with the harm forever and the what if questions forever. And that can never be fully repaired. Can't yeah. be. And I'm lucky. And they're kind of the two main reasons to sp- that, I, that I come here and speak is that I'm really lucky and not everyone's rock bottom is, you know, a pivot, a pivot point. Some people's is fatal and it, and it, and it ruins their life or ends their life. And that's a real driver for me is that I'm one of the lucky ones that I got out early and that I got out before any irreparable damage was done. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, that's all we have time for today. Thank you to our guest, Fred. Uh, it's been a great pleasure talking to you today. We're live from Parade College, Preston, and you've been listening to our Gambling Harm podcast on Live FM. Uh, my name's Alexander. We got Tom, Luca, Christian, and Nick. And thank you for joining us today. We hope you found the information today useful. Until next time, have a great day. What well up, guys? You great. That's great. I just do what I do. See me? I just do what I do.